This is the Bless Your Boys podcast. BlessYourBoys.com is your home for all things Detroit Tigers baseball on the SB Nation platform. Each week, join hosts Brandon Day and Ashley McLennan as we bring you the best from around the world of baseball from a Detroit Tigers perspective. Hey, welcome back. Here we are again. One day, no, two days before Thanksgiving, recording on Tuesday night. This is your host, Brandon Day. Ashley McLennan is here. Ashley, what's up? Not too much. Putting the finishing touches on my holiday gift guide video. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah. You, uh, you, when do uh, Canadians start decorating for Christmas? Uh, if you're me, two weeks ago. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, you get yelled uh, you know at here for that. Um, I put that question out into the great unknown a couple weeks ago because I'm like, uh, how soon is too soon? Because, of course, Canadian Thanksgiving is in uh, October here, around October 10th, usually. Um, it's usually the second Monday of October, I think, is how that works. Uh, and so, um, obviously, we don't have the hindrance of having to wait for Thanksgiving to be over before we decorate. So most people here say anytime after November 11th is okay, because November 11th, of course, is Remembrance Day here, and I think, what, Veterans Day in the U.S.? Um, So, you know, most people's opinion on that is, you know, wait it out and respect the vets and and do it that way, and then get started after that. And that's sort of how the rule by which I went by this year. So I waited for Remembrance Day to be over, and then I went ahead and put a tree up in my living room and, and all that good stuff, and now getting decorated at the like my cabin so like which oh, we, no. we, we never take that sheet down we just like wrap it in plastic and put it in the basement because we have a ton of storage space um and so i had to haul it up a flight of stairs by myself this past weekend and that was a very bad idea so um yeah it was a very interesting <laughs> very interesting situation but i did it i did not fall down the stairs the tree remained in one piece no ornaments broke everybody was a winner excellent that sounds good yeah i mean like uh, yeah here it's you know people get real mad if you start getting into christmas too soon because it just it just pushes the pace on everybody else but it's happened anyway like when i was uh you know when i was a kid like no one would do anything until after thanksgiving and now like the creep has started i don't know when it was maybe like 20 years ago you started hearing christmas music like early november and then oh yeah and that yeah, was when black Fla- yeah black uh, black friday started and yeah so it's all just spiraled out of everybody's control to be honest for me it starts as soon as starbucks releases their holiday drinks like that's really the the metric for me it's like when can i get myself a peppermint hot chocolate and at that point christmas is on <laughs> starbucks is ruling your calendar Absolutely. Well, every so okay. I'm a dork. We're going to get into actual baseball talk soon, but uh, I'm a giant dork, and I get a Starbucks themed Christmas ornament for myself every year because they release these cute little like mock-ups of their cups as ceramic ornaments. So I think I've got like ten or so of those now. So I think that's why I look, get really excited about it because I can pick up my ornament for the season, and then it gets ready to go on the tree. And yeah, it's yeah. kind of like a little marker. Yeah, that the season is is kicking in. Um, so yeah, what we're going to do tonight, um, we asked for listener questions and you guys responded, uh, with, with a whole lot of them, which is great. Um, but we're also kind of just going to dive right into them, uh, because a lot of the things I, I had kind of thought about talking about and like that Ashley had proposed, like you guys mentioned somewhere in these, um, so we'll kind of work our way through that stuff. I, there's just a couple little sort of news items, um, to take care of, 
Um, you know, we've, we've talked a lot here about, you know, the Tigers need for a catcher. I think everybody pretty much, you know, on the site, like everybody I've talked to is on board with the fact that the Tigers need a, a veteran catcher. Um, everyone wasn't quite so stoked about this idea last year when we brought it up, but okay. <laughs> I was still right last year. I don't care what anybody says. I'm even more right this year. Yeah, we definitely did need someone last year and we are going to, going to need another one. And, uh, one of the chips fell today with, um, Stephen Vogt who, um, you know, was a catcher, played some first base um, for a long time for the Oakland A's as a free agent. He signed with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Um, and I think that deal was like $3 million for one year, um, plus there's some incentives or whatever that can take it up to $7 million. But, uh, but But one kind of corollary to that is that that would seem to bump Alex Avila um, out of Arizona as far as, as an option for them because they've already got a young catcher they love in Carson Smith. They've got... Um, Caleb Joseph, who's kind of their third catcher, um, if they decide to carry another third catcher, they've done that um, a couple years in a row, and now with the 26-man roster, you would He's assume kind of the odd one out. Yeah, but you'd assume they'd still, if they're going to have three guys, you know, again, like they'll just keep him in the back. So I don't imagine they're going to go and re-sign Alex Avila. So that does um, put Alex Avila a little more centrally on the table for us. Um, I don't know. It's kind of down to like him and Jason Castro. Like I don't. Like, Robbie Chirinos is still out there. I think Martin Maldonado is still out there. Um, but um, Jason Castro and Alex Vila hit left-handed. It kind of fits better as a as a mentorship program um, and platoon situation here. So, um, I don't know. I don't know that the Tigers will do this or not. I don't know. Maybe Al Avila feels like all of us who are constantly yelling and screaming at him will be really mad if he signs Alex Avila. So, I would just <laughs> like to I would like to make him comfortable and uh, and tell him that, no, that'll be perfectly fine. You can bring Alex Avila back for a year or two. We'll, we'll be it's all right. A okay to do it. Third time's the charm and all that good stuff. Yeah, you, you always figure he's going to end up in the organization coaching eventually. Anyway, this just seems like the perfect transition as his career winds down to come here. Mentor Jake Rogers, Grayson Griner, um, provide some power, some discipline, teach these youngins what's up a little bit, play some first Help base. Help the pitching maybe. stuff. It'll be great. Yeah. I mean, it, it kind of, like the fit is really pretty good. Like I would, I would prefer Jason Castro as a player. Um, but he, I just, it's just hard to say. Cause it just seems like Jason Castro is going to cost a bit. Like we saw what Travis Darno got, you know, and Jason Castro is probably going to get at least that much. I would assume, um, very similarly, he's, he's easily the, the better defensive catcher of the, of the two and pre- one of the best defensive catchers who's available. So there's going to be some, some scrapping over Jason Castro. I have to imagine, because there, there's some teams out there who are better than us and more interested in doing something who probably need a catcher. So, yeah, so there is that Mr. Boat is out and um, yeah, hopefully uh, that means Alex Avila is a little bit more in play for us. Um, trying to think what was the other big deal that went on? Well, obviously the Tigers, um, picked up Dario Agrizal, who uh, from the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates the other day, and obviously I wasn't real thrilled about that. I'm still not really <laughs> thrilled about it. It's just like I don't I don't really see the point of picking up a guy who can't strike anyone out and is just sort of there. Basically, he's just going to go out there and throw sinkers and try to eat innings like Mike Pelfrey style. Um, he seems to be somewhat durable uh, and and maybe relatively consistent, but there's just no upside there. We already have Tyler Alexander. We have a couple other, um, you know, start or starting pitchers at the Toledo level who might decide to get a shot. Like, I just don't really see where he fits in, especially as there's going to be um, plenty of, you know, cheap, actually experienced pitchers available later on as we go. I don't know. There have been a couple guys. Nestor Cortez um, isn't particularly exciting. I think the Mariners picked him up today from the 
the Yankees for some international uh, bonus pool money, like 30000 worth. He could have worked in that role. Um, you know, they could still pivot back on Matt Moore again if they want to. That's um, true. Yeah, something like that. But I just, I don't know. I just didn't really see the point of Mr. Agrizal at all. And, and of course, he has to be from the Pirates, just like Jordy Mercer. And yeah, everybody, a, everybody we get comes from the Pirates. <laughs> it's a really weird kind of arrangement there. Like, they're the they're kind of made-up division, like, inter-league inter yeah. rivals. And I don't know. It, it's, it's weird how, like, I always joke that if there's a trade going on with the Mariners, the Rays have to be involved somehow. Yeah. Uh, but it's the same. It feels like every time the Tigers have made moves lately, it's like the Pirates have to be involved. And to be completely frank, the Pirates don't really have much that I want. Yeah. And as an organization, they're not, you know, not known to be particularly good. It's interesting because maybe like four years ago, there was a little window of like a year or two where the Pirates were one of the first teams to really adopt framing. Um, they went out and really aggressively pursued Russell Martin because they knew that skill was was undervalued. Um, they were one of the first teams to start shifting really aggressively. And they even got a book written about them, uh, Big Data Baseball by um, Travis Sochik. So, you know, at that like for that one window, they seemed to be one of the advanced teams, um, but they just they just didn't get any better at, from that point. And they've, you know, failed to develop quite a few of their starting pitchers and then dealt them away to... Teams that to actually, see them become very good elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, they traded Garrett Cole and Tyler Glass now, and you know, I mean, they got a few pieces back that are you know solid or or useful, but they never got you know what those two guys are capable out of them. Um, and they continue on with that same kind of sinker. You know, we're going to play really tough infield defense. We're going to shift a lot. You know, that that whole paradigm um, for a you know a team that doesn't get to spend any money, I suppose, still makes some sense, but. Um, it's not the way the game is going at all, and it's not the way the, the good teams are winning. And, yeah, for whatever reason, we just seem to have these deep ties with them. I mean, obviously, Dave Littlefield was their GM uh, back in the aughts. Um, you know, Jim Leland had come over from there. But even, like, yeah, you look at the free agent signings. Like, we had Francisco Liriano after he was there. Um, we got Jacoby Jones from them. Like, <laughs> it's a weird organization to be obsessively, like, trying to pluck their cast-offs um, and, and released guys. Like, I, it's, I don't know, it's baffling. So if, if there was any extra bit other than the player himself that could have triggered me, it was that, of course, it had to come from the Pirates, too. <laughs> it's like an it's insult to injury somehow. You're like, well, who is this guy? Yeah. And then you're like, oh, no. Yeah, I mean, there's all these guys, like, at the back of rosters that, you know, the Padres, you know, Rays, Astros, you know, whatever you want, Dodgers, all these farm systems have back end starter type guys that are there. It's like, can we can we try to pluck from a, an organization that's a little bit more forward thinking and a little better? But no, no, we're just obsessed. <laughs> this... We're obsessed with the Pirates. I just feel like you know, like Dave Littlefield must be on the phone with those guys all the time. So I don't know. It's like, who, who you got for me? Who you got? Who can we get on the cheap? Like I think somebody else pointed out, like he'd already been DFA'd at one point and cleared waivers. Like, why pay for him? Yeah. Yeah, I don't like, really know. I mean, I'm sure they didn't pay much, but it just seemed I mean, like, like they rushed into it. Why pay the Pirates for him? You could have waited and just got him as a free agent and paid him probably less than we did. Yeah. And there's going to be a lot of other guys like him. If you happen to miss out on him for some reason, there's going to be plenty of guys out there who, you know, yeah, there's can't plenty really of, like, strike anybody out and, and throw a sinker. fifth starters. Yeah. Yeah. And really, yeah, like more of like a sixth guy you know like the guy you stash at, at Toledo for like a winning yeah. team that fears they're going to need you know someone to just come up and give him some innings or be a long man um you know I mean I looked into all his, his data before I started screaming about it 
I just don't really see anything that there is to do with him, even. Um, I, I don't have any problem that he doesn't throw hard. Um, it's nice that he has decent command. Um, that, that's something that, that you know, is, is hard to come by sometimes. But, yeah, there just doesn't really seem to be anything there. So, you know, whatever. I mean, he probably won't even end up, you know, making the team. I would, I would expect that he will be cut, you know, probably even before we get to camp because the Tigers have said, at least, that they expect to sign some kind of a, you know, a, a fifth starter type. And they have plenty of, of, you know, other options as well in the organization if they wanted to, you know, to, to give some guys a try. So, I don't know. Whatever. It, it's not a big deal. It's just, uh, just the whole profile of the it's player, where weird... he came from. It's just like, man, this just feels like so much more of the same. <laughs> yeah, it feels like a very weird first move of the offseason. Yep. I mean, you know, Drew Verhagen, Drew Verhagen was, was let go and is going to Japan to be a ham fighter, I believe. And that's cool. Good for him. <laughs> um, it seems like a lot of players are coming back from there and really, you know, spreading the word that like, no, it's, it's pretty awesome. Like they really help you out, you know, with the, the culture shock and, you know, it's cool living in a, in a totally different environment. And, you know, it's, it's a whole experience for you and your family, especially for players maybe that are, you know, a little bit younger and, you know, don't have kids maybe yet. I don't know. It's even more appealing, but um, Jim Aducci, you know, came back and, and talked to a lot of people about, you know, how great it was. Miles um, Mikolas, who came back to the Cardinals last year after playing over there. Um, none of these guys have anything but, you know, rave reviews. Eric Thames played in Korea, came back here, did really well. So, seems like it's it's becoming a little bit more of a viable option. Um, and if Rob Manfred has his way, it might, it might be, become an only Maybe option. Maybe a more positive option, option. absolutely. Yeah. And I know in, in Drew Verhagen's case, I think he's excited because the 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 ham fighters, they're not actually the ham fighters, the Nippon ham fighters <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, will, will be, be giving, giving him an opportunity to start games, which I think is, is something that he would never have had the opportunity to do with the Tigers. Well, I mean, I can't say never, because I don't think any of us would have thought that Blaine Hardy would have been starting games, and then he just really excelled in Toledo and got that opportunity. Um, so you never know what would have happened with Verhagen, but um, I think that that is one of the big reasons that he decided to take on that opportunity. And um, and speaking of Blaine, he just signed a minor league deal deal with the uh, Minnesota, Minnesota Twins. Twins. Yep, yep. So that's cool. He got himself in a in a good organization, and they, you know they seem to be doing a better job than they they used to of of bringing along pitchers and stuff. So as long as you know his arm heals up well and stuff, I would expect he'll uh, he'll be pretty useful for them as well, and hopefully have a good season and get to play on a good team and yeah i don't know i it's it does seem like either he or nikki is from that area so um that's probably a a, a plus as well get it's a little, definitely get a little bit of grandparent uh, babysitting action going <laughs> <laughs> always, always a bonus, bonus. yeah you know, guys like blaine don't make the you know the 10 million dollar your salaries where you just hire a bunch of nannies and stuff so having grandma around is good for you it's always good <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, I mean, there hasn't been a whole lot of other news. It was it was just kind of those those couple things. Um, and I don't know if if any of you guys before we get into this, um, you know, if you want to check out our the other podcast I did last night. We're not going to talk about the minor league situation, but I did talk um, a whole bunch about it with Emily Walden of the Athletic and Baseball America. Most of you guys know Emily Walden used to write for us. Um, she's been a long time friend of the site, so you can check that podcast out if you're interested in. Uh, and hearing a little bit about the Arizona Fall League, um, Daz Cameron, Franklin Perez talked about some of those guys and um, and just about the the restructuring contraction proposal, uh, middle finger from Rob Manfred to everybody and whatever. So um, yeah, that kind of uh, that should kind of clean up all the all the business, I think. Okay. To the questions. Yeah, I really oh, appreciate everybody. No, uh, <laughs> people's questions. Uh, no, no, I, I actually. 
It's great. I to see see many. them, and they were not as scary as I thought. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, but it was good in like every topic that we kind of had thought like, oh, maybe we should talk about this. It was like, oh, there's a question that pertains. So um, this will this will meander as always, but um, you know that, that's the way it goes. So let's start out um, on Twitter here um, with my boy Steve Butts, who is uh, a really really cool guy to talk to on Twitter. Knows his stuff. Um, pretty oh, Steve's cool great. Cat. I love Steve. Yeah. So. Let's see, the first one he's got, since the Tigers baseball operations seems to have hung a gone fishing sign out um, so far, if you had your best guess, will they be searching for more players to flip at the deadline, or will they be looking for players who have a more active role in the rebuild long term? That's a that's a good question. Um, I think you know, I, the flipping at the deadline has not worked out very well. <laughs> it has not, but I feel like that's still probably part of the agenda, and that's the only reason I'm really hesitant about the idea of bringing in veteran players, because part of me very much worries that they're only being picked up with the intent of trading them later, as opposed to creating any kind of a clubhouse presence. Um, and I mean, that's fine. If you can do it, you got like, but I mean, what did we get for Mike Fires again? Like... Yeah, like Logan Shore and Nolan Blackwood. Um, Nolan Blackwood might be an interesting kind of sidearmish reliever, but yeah, I mean, not really anybody you, you are probably likely to see in the major leagues much. So, yeah, not much. And I mean, and that was like the one that worked out best. And that, that's the problem. Like, if you want to do that, you have to take the risks. And the, and the Tigers don't seem to want to go after those like injury prone guys. Um, you know, we they just about- seem to be kind of waiting for the luck of the draw to skew their way. Um, and it's, it's troubling. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I mean, there's just not very much activity. Like we're going to talk about the rule five draft and and there are a bunch of interesting candidates there. And there's also going to be players, you know, that are released or, or on the kind of margins of, of some of the better organizations right now. And, you know, the Tigers could be making small trades for some of these guys right now because they're, you know, they're, they're on the cusp of, of being cut or, or lost by their parent club anyway. And when you have the first pick in the Rule 5 draft, you can always kind of leverage people with, you know, like, look, I'm just going to pick him in the Rule 5 draft anyway. Like, you guys aren't going to keep him. You know that we're terrible. If we decide to stash a 20-year-old, you know, infielder on our roster who hasn't played above A ball yet, well, we can do that. And, you know, there isn't, you know, we're not going to be any under pressure to, uh, to, you know, to move on from someone like that. We can just stash him like we did with Victor Reyes. So, you, you know, you can kind of go around the league, you know, and at least talk to, you know, some some teams about players you're interested in and see if you can pick up one of, one or two of these guys before you even get to the Rule 5 draft. But you have to do that quick because the non-tender deadline, I believe, is December 2nd. So that's coming up quick if they want to, you know, try to swing something and get multiple players there. And it just doesn't seem like they will. It, it you know, I, we can all probably name a whole bunch of guys on the 40-man roster who don't really have any business you know, sticking around or having a role and the Tigers mm-hmm. could go get younger fringe type guys and just give them a try. But yeah, I, I don't know. It, it would have been nice to me if they had gone out and got Darrell Cotton, who, I, who I've always liked. Um, definitely injury prone, definitely risky, but a lot more upside than Agrizal. And then, you know, they could go get Greg Bird from the Yankees. Um, he doesn't really have a spot there anymore and is, is running out of time. He's going to be in the Rule 5 draft. You could make those deals in advance and then still go pick your, you know, your Buddy Reed or your, you know, Asdruri Ruiz or one of these other, you know, kind of um, toolsy but struggling uh, minor leaguers who isn't being protected. And, you know, the the Tigers have enough of a dearth of positional talent that you could probably pick up a couple guys and they would, you know, be better than most of what you have in the farm system. But it just doesn't seem like they're going to be, you know, that kind of aggressive. And, yeah, it's it's frustrating because, yeah, they just don't seem... 
they just seem to be waiting for their picks, you know, like they're not yeah. actively doing a whole lot. Um, so yeah, anyway, so yeah, I'm not, I'm not really expecting, um, them to be shooting for the high risk guys and hoping to land the next, uh, you know, JD Martinez or whatever, someone who could be around for four or five years and be an impact player. Um, they just don't, they just seem to be taking a very like modest, we just want someone who can tr- contribute, um, tack on it and, and now and yeah. Yeah, and it just seems yeah, it just seems odd for a team that's going to be terrible anyway and has nothing to lose. So, so there <laughs> yeah, goes. and they're not even like pushing towards their like any kind of salary cap of any kind. Like, I know they're clearly not interested in spending money, um, but man, they could spend a little. Yep, yep, they could. Yep, they could probably um, squeeze a few uh, a few of these guys out of out of teams and um, and and get themselves a little haul of Rule Five ish guys who, of course, almost never work out anyway. But you know. When you're not trying to do a whole lot, you know, you should still be trying to do what you can around the, the margins, and there's just not really any risk there. But, yeah, I don't know. It just doesn't seem to be their uh, their modus operandi right now. So, um, oh, Steve Butts also wanted to know if we, yeah, if we started a movie together, what would uh, what would be the basic premise? <laughs> the only thing I could think of is, yeah, that there would be, uh, it would be two intrepid and naive uh, baseball reporters who stumble across a murder in a baseball stadium, and then, you know, whatever hijinks ensue. <laughs> But he said it goes all the way to the top. Yeah, exactly. Um, yep. I see. For me, I would be like, it would be like some sort of like noir, like Maltese Falcon esque thriller, except like I would be the beleaguered, grouchy um, private eye. Oh yeah. Uh, and we would have to solve some sort of shenanigany heist of some old fangled baseball merchandise of some kind. Yeah, I mean, you know, the baseball thing could still be noirish, you know. We could find out that the secret cameras that the team is using to record, you know, catchers actually caught the murder on tape. You know, yeah, I, Ooh, got... <laughs> I like it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it would sell. I, I have my doubts, but you know, that's about as good as we're going to do. Um, <laughs> Scott, Scott, Scotty Daniel on Twitter wants to know, do you think the Tigers will trade any of their top pitching prospects for a bat um, no. this season or next? And yeah, I don't think so either. I, I don't get the sense that the Tigers trust themselves to like trade their prospects away. They, you know, they just seem to be proceeding from a very conservative and kind of scared posture where, you know, they would, they would hate to trade even someone like Cody Clemens, like someone, you know, in the, the back half of the teens, maybe in the farm system, you know, a guy ranked 14th, 15th, 16th, they, you know, they don't seem like they want to, you know, even kind of deal those guys and try to turn them into a player with some, some talent. Um, and they could do that. They've said they want like an outfielder. They, they kind of like a first baseman. They need a catcher. That, you know, they could try to make a trade for, for a little bit better caliber um, prospect, you know, some 45 future value guy out there without a role who's blocked on another team. But yeah, I, I just, I don't think so. And I, and I definitely can't see him having the, having the stones to trade Casey Miser, Matt Manning. And, no, hundred percent. Especially when you're not going to be competitive next year. And they're a team that has built themselves around the idea of getting those pitchers. Um I, I don't think that given where they are and where they expect to be in the next year. And even I think the next two years, I don't see it happening. Yeah. I think, you know, if they're going to trade a pitcher for, for bats, it'll be, you know, it'll be Matt Boyd. Um, I don't know, maybe even Spencer Turnbull could be under consideration or Joe Jimenez. Um, even those guys are a little yeah. bit younger and maybe wouldn't draw as much, but I don't know. Spencer Turnbull's kind of an interesting guy. He might have more value than, than people think just because he's still got um, six years of team control. Um, but yeah, I, I would have to say that's, that's much more likely. 
from everything. And Ful- Fulmer could even be interesting if he comes back healthy. Um, I could see that happening before I see any of the prospects going. Yeah, yeah, I could see maybe yeah Fulmer can can come back and and look strong in twenty. 21 like maybe he'd he'd be another guy to go at the deadline norris um obviously could could have the same thing kind of go down uh, daniel norris might be even more likely because i think we've only got two more years um of him whereas we've got three of fulmer and um mr boyd so yeah yeah so probably not um ed miller wants to know that in my opinion would I, would I, we take more one more excuse me would we take more than one rule five player or would we just hunt for um other guys who've been designated for assignment. Um, I don't know. I mean, the rule five is interesting this year because there are some, some young guys who've been exposed to, I would like to get and, and try. And the Tigers, I, th- I think it's legal to trade for a rule five pick. I'm almost certain that goes on. So yeah, I mean, if they were going to do it, I would, I would go about it that way because I, I think, yeah, we have the number one pick, but once you get all the way through the all, every team getting the, their shot at it. I just don't know if there's going to be much left worth worth even bothering with. Um, no, already, I agree. Yeah, we're already talking about you know fringe guys. So if they want to do that, they should go ahead and try to get somebody else's pick. I'm sure there are some teams with pretty full farm systems out there who may not even want to use their pick. Um, so they they could try and go that route um, a little bit if they wanted to as well. Um. All right. Did we get? I think I think that's all of them. Let's go to the site. There's, There's quite, quite a, a batch of them on the site. You guys were busy today. Yeah, that was awesome. It was good to see. Uh, but not this first one. Damn it, Viking Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Comerica Park. Do you think there's a chance the fences would be moved in a bit to attract free agent hitters? No. No. <laughs> you know, the thing is, like, it, the whole, the stadium thing is weird because, like, I, there's, I'm of two minds about this. Like, I, I don't like... I especially don't like the out-of-town scoreboard and how high the fence is in, in right center field in particular. Um, that That's the part of the stadium that feels like the least fair sort of in a, in a way to me. But I also kind of like that we're one of the teams with like a huge outfield and, and there, at, that at least there's some kind of character to the park that stands out so from, from other places. It's difficult. Yeah, and it kind of ties to you know what Tiger Stadium was like with the, you know, the super deep 440-foot center field and the tight lines, um, you know, to left and right field. But yeah, I mean, it just seems like it's probably going to have to be like new ownership because it just feels like what well, if the Illiches were going to do that, this would be the time to do it, to just do it now when, you know, there's not that many people there um, at games. You know, people aren't going to, you know, pay that much attention or get outraged. Um, so yeah, I, I don't I don't really see that happening. Any no. any idea now? I mean, Lynn Henning's been complaining about this for you know, 20, <laughs> 20 years or something and uh, yeah. and they haven't done anything yet so yeah i think it's gonna take new ownership um, and i don't really know i don't know i mean if you're a free agent hitter and the tigers are good i i just don't think it would i just don't think it would have any effect um on whether or not you would want to come here necessarily or not unless you're no. a guy who drives tons of balls 400 feet to right center field <laughs> just aren't that many in which case guys. absolutely in, in which case in- we want that guy yeah <laughs> <laughs> or yeah. if you're Nick Castellanos. Yeah, there's just not that many Miguel Cabrera type guys who have that kind of, you know, right center power as a right-handed hitter. So I, I don't, I don't know, but I, I would not hold my breath on that one. I would love to see the Tigers do some different things in that outfield, though. Um, you know, where the bushes are, and there's sort of that like covered walkway that goes behind there. It'd be nice if that area didn't feel like it was permanently just sort of half-assedly under construction. Um, and obviously we're going to want the Lou Whitaker and Alan Trammell statue, um, somewhere mm-hmm. out there. So 
yeah, going to need to get on that. I hope the I hope somebody's at work on that. I don't know who the best sculptor in Detroit is, but um, I'm sure that. they have somebody that did the other ones. Like there must be either a group or a person who did all the existing ones that are out there. Yeah, I used to know, and I can't think who did those. They are cool though. But, yeah, they're nice. That, that is one feature that they do have some pretty sweet statues out there. Yeah, they're pretty good. Pretty darn cool. Uh, some guy named Jacob Markle wants to know. Okay, order order these pitchers in terms of most innings pitched for the Tigers in 2020. Tyler Alexander, Dario Agrizel, and Kyle Funkhauser. Ugh, I don't like this question. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I mean, I'm I'm pretty easily gonna go with Tyler Alexander. I think Tyler Alexander was actually pretty usable last year. I think he's better than Agrizel. Um, he strikes out more people. He's got probably better command. Um, throws harder. Left-hander. Um, it's weird for the Tigers to have three lefties right now in the in the rotation. But yeah, I mean, I think Tyler Alexander's. The, the guy who's most likely to get pitched a bunch um, and, and used. Kyle Funkshauser, I don't know. I, I just don't know what they're going to do with him. Like, you yeah. you could slow play, I don't know. You could maybe Matt Manning. Well, I, I wouldn't like that. I'd like Mize and Manning to start right out in AAA. You could keep Scooble back a little bit and maybe Kyle Funkhauser starts for a little bit. And then if, you've, you know, if you need him, you could try starting him in the majors. But... It just hasn't worked out that way, and I, he he seems like he needs to move to relief, just like Gregory Soto and Anthony Castro do. And I and I would prefer they just kind of get on with that. So I don't think Cal Funkhauser is going to pitch that much. Um, but if he so does, it'll be in the bullpen. You feel like it'll be this order then? Actually, I wouldn't. Actually, I would say Funkhauser will pitch more than Agrizal because I just don't even know that Agrizal is going to make it to spring. So fair enough. I feel like if he does get that far, he'll pitch more than Funkhauser does, but that's fair. Cause if they do get him that far, they'll want to use him. Yeah. Yeah. Any guesses at the Tigers reasoning? This is Jay again. Um, we will get to the actual commenters at some point rather than people who could just <laughs> pester me, um, various 40 different ways of communication. Um, <laughs> anyway. or, you know, somebody that actually works for our site. This yeah. Is, yeah. <laughs> Like he doesn't already think he knows has better answers to this than we do. Um, any guesses <laughs> at the Tigers' reasoning for acquiring acquiring Dario Wynn, Jarrell Cotton, and Nestor Cortez were both recently traded for cash considerations? I mean, I mean, I mean, I already kind of talked about it. Like it just seems that they they like him because they don't think they're going to have to do anything with him. Like they they'll just you know throw him out there and expect to get probably five ERA type performance out of him and. I guess that's that's the only answer I can really give you. I mean, Nestor Cortez, like the Tigers probably wouldn't want to give up any international bonus pool money and probably we wouldn't really want them to, although $30,000 isn't a particularly, you know, substantive amount because you get 4.7 million usually in our, in the um the bonus pool. So mm-hmm. it's not like it would have cost a lot, but um but yeah, and Cotton, I don't know that the Tigers just don't seem to want to take those kind of risks on guys who've who've had some injury trouble. We beg yeah, and scream. I mean, Garrett had Richards. Tommy John, right? So yeah, he's I think he's, he's just, just coming, coming off, off of it. Um, yeah, this so year, I can see them yeah. not really readily risking that. Whereas you get a young guy who's you know a rookie, and maybe they have some idea that they can shape him in some way <laughs> with what pitching staff, coaching staff. I don't know, but yeah, I mean, I'd like to believe that that they've got some particular idea. I mean, the, the only thing I can really see in him in Agrizal is that he gives up like pretty weak contact a lot of the time. He gave up a ton of home runs, but his, like his average exit velocity off the bat was pretty low. So maybe they just feel like he's going to induce weak contact and maybe they think they can tweak his, his slider into more of a swing in this pitch or something. I don't know. 
I would rather, I would much rather have Cotton and just, uh, you know, you could use, even use him as a reliever. You could do whatever you want with him because he's coming back from Tommy John surgery. He struggled this year when he did come back and probably needs a little bit of time. And you could probably talk him into, you know, ah, we need to use you in the bullpen this year. And bam, you've, you've got a converted reliever who can air it out 96 miles per hour with a pretty nasty changeup and, uh, and, a, and a good cutter. So, I don't know. I would I would just rather try that. But yeah, the Tigers don't seem to want those those type people. And it's also weird because they did just hire um, Dr. Giblin to start up this performance science um, department within the organization and start you know doing a lot of like test like biomechanical testing on people and um, kind of try to bring a little bit more of like the the really high level um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for physical therapist type approach to, to training these mm-hmm. guys and to analyzing their, you know, their movements and all that. And it seems like that, that, that's the kind of thing that would be a good test for her is to like give her guys who, you know, who had potential and got hurt and see if maybe she's got some, some mojo to, um, to help those guys get it back. So I don't know. I would still like them to try that. I mean, it doesn't have to be Jarl Cotton. I just kind of like that dude. And I know he's from Michigan. Um, and he's also was, uh, born in St. Thomas in the U S Virgin Islands. Um, which is one of my favorite islands in the world. So I have some connections there, but I just always liked his stuff. Eno Saris was always on um, Cotton when he was a prospect, and I read Eno Saris very seriously. And so he was always someone I liked, and I would have liked to have taken a crack at him. But so it goes. So, yeah, I mean, uh, like, I think I feel like I'm resigned to the fact that I'm just never going to get a player that I want them to sign until we're good again. Yeah, I mean, it, it really is kind of like that. But even when it's like, you know, just a guy you could just pick up for nothing. They still don't get the guys. <laughs> no, like, get I feel like my expectations are not like, hey, we should have signed Mike Trout last off season. Yeah, I, I, I feel like you know, know, a two-year deal to Travis Darno is not yeah. shooting for the moon. Yeah, I mean, we know we know the deal, and obviously Travis Darno ended up the Braves. Yeah, and getting a little bit more even than I think the higher projections estimated. So. That's the Braves really, really knowing they need to um, shore up the the catcher position and start making a, a full on push this year. So, um, and you know who you know again like th- this is what we have to talk about. It's not like either of us are going to be terribly upset about what random designated for assignment player the Tigers pick up or drop. Um, it's just the the profile of player that they they seem to always be attracted to is just so at odds with what so many other teams are doing, and it drives me nuts. So, yes. Um, okay. Inner City Seed says, so with this many teams, um, trying to tank, what's going to happen in Major League Baseball when essentially over half the league is not really interested in producing a winning ball club? Hmm. Um, as long as the billionaire owners are still making money, um, I think Rob Manfred will continue to chip away at everything that makes baseball good and it will become a shell of what it looks like now. And in 2022, we will have a lockout, and everything will be misery. Yeah. Yeah, could be. I mean, I don't know that I would say that over half the league is going to get to the point where they're not even interested. Um, You know, there are certainly more teams that seem to, to have the idea that, like, well, if we can't be at least decent and have maybe an outside shot, we're not going to try very hard and we're not going to spend any money. Um, I mean, it, it's not good for competition, but I think I said this on the, the podcast with Emily is that when you take, you know, they're already like talking about taking a lot of baseball kind of out of Heartland America with all the, the minor league teams that they want to get rid of. It's just becoming much more of like a TV show than a competitive game that you go and experience live for people. And the league doesn't seem 
almost seems to be accentuating that trend rather than, you know, trying to, to push back against it. So, uh, you know, I don't know. Is that going to change, you know, the kind of structure of their advertising and like the, the TV contracts that they're getting? Um, if if that's kind of the way it's going and a lot of teams aren't trying, I just don't even know because it seems like they're this, I don't know. It just seems like the, they're at a point where they just want to like squeeze every last dime out of the game and then whatever happens afterwards, you know, it almost feels like they're planning a sale is <laughs> what this feels like where you, you know, you try to sell all your high value items so they don't get lumped in with just the bulk purchase someone's going to make. Um, and yeah. Obviously that's not what's happening, but that, but that's what it feels like. It almost feels like a a private equity takeover where they're just trying to max profits out in, in every direction. Um, we haven't really talked about this and I, and I haven't seen much written about it, but the, um, the gambling thing is going to come online. And so I just don't know, like it just feels like there's so many revenue streams that have been opened up for them. And Rob Manfred has obviously, obviously done a good job with all that stuff that maybe they just don't care about attendance at this point. I don't know. And um, yeah, maybe, maybe that's just what it comes down to. They just figure you'll turn, turn the game on in the summer like always and you know yeah it'll be background music but it won't really affect their business model that much um i hope that's not you know fully what they what they think and what they want i'm sure some owners wouldn't agree with that perspective but yeah it's just all the trends are going in the wrong direction right now for sure yeah it's going to be interesting to see what happens Mm, mm, mm. um if a tigers sign a first baseman dh combo um, who's going to be the starter at third base on opening day, Dawil Lugo or Jamer Candelario? Mm, that's interesting. I feel like they're boring and don't do much outside of the box, so I want to say it's probably going to be Candelario, but I feel like a lot of that will depend too on what they see out of both guys in spring training. Um, I, I feel like it's very much based on on recency bias as far as spring training is going to go. Yeah, that's probably, um, you know, who slims down, who's looking, you know, fast, who's looking like they're prepped and ready to be there. I think a lot of the problem we saw with, with Candelario last season is that he just seemed sluggish and really not interested in, I mean, this isn't a character thing or anything like that. Just the way he played didn't seem to be like he was all in on it. Yeah. And he has sort of like a, a smooth, like, Robbie Cano kind of kind of style to him. Obviously, he played great defense last year. I, I'm going to say that it would probably candel, be Candelario first, just because Dawa Lugo is younger. <clears throat> um, Candelario kind of feels like he's at that point where he's got a hit this year, or there's you know, it, it's kind of over for him because we've had him since. Um, when did, when, let's see, we've had him since August 17? 1st of 2017. So. Yeah, over two seasons, um, you know, he, he shows these signs. Like, you see the raw power. Um, you see the fact that he's got reasonably good, good plate discipline, doesn't chase fastballs out of the zone, but he just cannot lay off those goddamn sliders under his hands. Like, it's just uh, it just eats him up, and, and it just seems to kind of screw his confidence up. And he just doesn't really even quite look like the same hitter um, he was when we got him. And he's also got that wrist that wrist thing that's supposed to be kind of an ongoing condition uh, with the, some kind of inflammation around the hammock bone. And I don't, I, you know, I don't know, maybe that's, maybe that's been holding him back, but yeah, to put it simply, like it, it feels to me like it would be Candelario just because he's at the point where they're going to, they're going to say like, you've got to produce or, or that's a wrap. Um, yeah. I'll take that as my, as my shot. It is interesting though, because no. Lugo at um, Toledo 
is he going to play third base? Because Isaac Paredes is going to be up. Paredes has been playing a lot of shortstop still, but everyone's still convinced he's got to go to third base. So um, I don't know. That, that may play a part in it, too. And obviously there's 26-man roster now, so they can just take them both if they want to and just rotate guys through however. Um, of the remaining catchers on the market, who do you want and who do you think the Tigers will actually sign? Um, that's from Mr. Sunshine. Well, I think it's obvious who you want. <laughs> yeah, I think we, huh? we, yeah, I think I would kind of prefer as a player <laughs> Jason Castro, but I would be happier a little bit to, to see Alex Avila come back, and he seems more likely, I think. I don't know. It's hard to say. Like Jason Castro seems like he's going to get more money. Alex Avila would be kind of cheap. And I think we just have to make it perfectly clear to the front office that, you know, th- this is the one time we won't be screaming at them about something. Um, I don't care about the nepotism. We we like Alex Avila. <laughs> so, we do. I mean, yeah. he's he's been a good, solid catcher. He's reliable. He's exactly what they need right now. Yeah. And last time we signed him, he hit the hell out of the ball for the first half and got us a really mm-hmm. good player. I don't know if that's going to happen again. He probably shouldn't play as much as he even was at that point, but he can play first base for you too. So if the Tigers wanted to go get themselves a, a decent outfielder um, or a second baseman, and then you sat, you know, you sign Alex Avila, have him catch, you know, maybe like a third of the time and play first base a third of the time and rest a third of the time because he's got old knees now. Maybe you maybe you'd get more production out of him that way, but you'd still have him there to kind of guide the the young catchers and pitchers along a little bit, which I think would be helpful. Absolutely. What else do we got here? Well, we could get to the Rule 5 one, but that, that might be the longest question. So, <laughs> um, no, aren't you, I think we're going to do it just like a Rule 5 thing, right? Yeah, yeah. So we'll skip that for the moment. Uh, is Franklin Perez doing any throwing prior to spring training? Um, based on a history of prospects with similar shoulder issues, what are the chances he's able to get healthy again? Um, that's another thing I talked to Emily about last night, and... Um, I want you to listen to that podcast, but I'll tell you, I'll tell you now what, what the story is. And it's, I mean, he just doesn't seem to have, have changed at all. Like he's, he's not really throwing, like they're just having him do light work. Um, and I mean, I just think the chances are really pretty bad at this point because there doesn't seem to be anything um, to fix. Like if, if there was something that was noticeable that needed surgery, they would have done that two years ago. Um, he just doesn't, you know, either there's something you know, just genetically, like the structure of his shoulder just can't hold up to pitching, um, you know, what, whatever it is. Maybe you could try modifying his delivery. That seems a little bit radical. Um, he's another one that ne- they need to get Dr. Giblin on, like, right away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, figure out what's up with that dude. Cause well, it like, seemed like every time he came back healthy, quote-unquote, that he was gone within a week again. Yep. Yeah, and it was weird because he'd be building. It wasn't like he wasn't throwing, and then they were like, eh, he hasn't had any soreness in a long time. We'll have him pitch. He was, he'd work out and kind of build up to it. And then, yeah, you know, throw 40 pitches and, and bam, be, be gone for another, you know, two months or just that would just be the end of the season. I, you know, I don't think he's thrown 40 innings for us in, in three years. So, Mm-mm. yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm not feeling I'm not feeling very optimistic about it. And if they can't figure something out and kind of get him healthy um, and, and, and pitching next spring, I would assume he'll get cut because, I, I, you know, I mean, it sucks because he was obviously very talented. And even when he has come back and, and not been able to stay healthy, he still looked pretty good. Like still had pretty good command stuff. Still looked the same. Um, there's a lot of potential there, but you know, either there's something he's not doing conditioning wise or, you know, or it's just not meant to be for whatever reason. So I don't know. I wish I had better news on that front. 
Gonzalez. Oh, yeah. Speaking of prospects, I've been wondering about overall Gonzalez. He signed a few years ago as a 16-year-old. Um, and at least... And he was ranked... Yeah, I think he was ranked in the top 30 international prospects. Um, he seems to have disappeared. I mean, some of that is just because we... And a lot of, a lot of the other scouting services don't really have that many eyes um, on what's going on in Dominican or, or, you know, or Puerto Rico. Like we're keeping up with what's happening in winter ball right now. Like I know Daz and Isaac Prades are both mashing in their respective leagues, but that's not seeing it or, or really knowing what to say about it. I mean, all I can say about Alvaro Gonzalez is that it still seems like, you know, people are pretty convinced he's going to hit. Um, he, he's filled out a good bit. Um, so it looks like there's going to be some power to come. He's got a strong enough arm to play third base and it just, it, it still feels like either his athleticism is going to have to take a leap um, in the next year or two, or you can pretty much look at him as a third baseman. But he still looks like a pretty good prospect, and he would probably be, you know, fairly high up in, in BYB's rankings if we actually had more opportunities to, to see him. But otherwise, it's just kind of guesswork and, you know, piggybacking off what other people um, tell me or what I read elsewhere. Um, that, that's kind of all we've got. So... Um, just bear with him. Like I would expect you'll see him at Connecticut um, possibly this year. I, I would think they, they would want to at least try to get his, get his feet wet. Um, he'll be in the Gulf Coast League um, either way. So we should get at least some more video and, and reports out of him to start getting an idea of, um, of what he looks like. So uh, Stay tuned. Yeah. Manfred's contraction plan. Like, eh, yeah, I mean. I think you guys talked about that a lot in the podcast you had with Emily, right? Yeah. So I think that I, I would mean like it's not self-referential to say you should listen to the other podcast from this week because it's really good and very much worth a listen. Yeah. I mean, I guess the only thing I'll add that we, you know, neither one of us has said that much of before is that like neither of us are happy with it. There's a lot of reasons not to like it. Um, there are some reasons to, to understand that like some kind of restructuring um, makes makes some sense because um you know, teams aren't geographically tight to each other the way you would like. And I know teams don't like, you know, their top prospect pitchers, you know, um, riding a damn near school bus for, you know, five hours overnight to like get into some hotel and sleep for two hours. You know, like um, there, there are some things like that where I think teams have decided that their players, especially their better prospects, well-being, um, rest and nutrition are all things that they actually care about now, which they didn't um, even up to like four or five years ago. And so, I mean, I, I can see some arguments for that. And I also think that there is sort of a paradigm being developed by the Astros and Dodgers and others where they like to see their young players, um, you know, practice more, like intensely practice skills and don't feel so much that having those guys play, you know, long strings of games where they're playing, you know, four or five games, you know, for, you know, three, three four months at a time is really the, the way to go about it because, you know, at that age, you need reps, you need to focus on specific skills. And I think, um, you know, like the Astros have already kind of eliminated like batting practice because they don't want players um, practicing at, at anything but game speed. Um, they, they feel like when you're playing baseball, they want you to be at, you know, 100%, like going full bore. And then they want you to rest rather than kind of the slow moving you know, we're going to, we're going to do kind some of lazy stretching. takes. Yeah. yeah. We're going to stretch, you know, there's a game later. We're going to take a little bit infield. We're going to take some BP. I don't, I, I just think, especially with their younger players, they're, they're trying to kind of get away from that. Just hanging around the park all day um, idea. And obviously, you know, in a three hour game with like an hour to warm up, you could take that four hours and have an hour of super intense fielding practice. And then an hour 
taking simulated um, ABs and probably get way more work in and way more sort of intensive focused work where you didn't just have an at bat and then have to wait, you know, an hour to get to the plate again to kind of, you know, think back to what you just did again and, and try to build off that. Um, th- those repetitions are important. So I don't know. There seems to be some trends like just in the way that, that the game is going to be taught um, that, that might, that might make that more of a viable idea, but I don't know. They, they're going to have to come up with some ways to, um, to, to, to rework these proposals and, and give the minor leagues a lot more say, or it's just going to get very, very ugly. Um, there's the not, other everybody's thing already I, up in arms about it. So the other thing I saw floated on Twitter today was the idea that a lot of the, the like newly disassociated teams could theoretically go on to form their own kind of separate independent league or semi-independent league. Um, which I thought was interesting, but also where will the money for that come from? Um, so I, I think it's interesting because it would keep baseball in a lot of those cities. Uh, but I'm very curious to see how it would actually play out. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it just, it just seems like that is really kind of a, a hard sell as far as there being a way to do it um, without there being, I mean, some people have suggested that, you know, the major league baseball has to be stripped of its antitrust exemption based on all this. And I could see that happening. And I could also see major league baseball not caring because like, what is there going to be like a UF, a USFL type challenge where some, you know, Michael Bloomberg or Tom Steyer <laughs> rather than running for president decides to put their billions into starting <laughs> up a, an alternate baseball league, you know, whatever, you know, whatever the billionaires want to want to toy with. Um, it would, it would probably require something like that. Cause yeah, other than that, like, independent leagues have been around a long time and you know it's a it's a hard living you have to love to play the game and just want to play and it's a part-time job and um you know i that that stuff might continue but it's that loss of major league affiliation where you know some kid in you know whatever in you know in in lowell massachusetts can see you know whatever could see mookie betts when mookie betts is you know 19 or something like that and yeah and be right there with them and kind of have that investment with your players you know little leaguers going to the game seeing that and then you know a couple years later that you know that guy they saw is now you know killing it in the major leagues like that whole association um is going to be lost and that's really valuable so i, I just can't really see how an independent league thing would be viable and it seems like if major league baseball did they would have actually come up with a plan for it rather than just been like oh maybe there'll be like a dream league or something and and that and, you know and then just moving on from it from there like it wasn't you know it wasn't even a proposal of any sort so yeah i don't know yeah we'll see what happens i part of me just doesn't want to believe it's even possible but then another realistic part of me is like oh yeah this sounds right about right for what we've got going on right now yeah yeah for sure um, okay, we fans need a serious evaluation of Joey Wentz. Um, he was having a mediocre double-A season for the Braves when he was traded to us. He turned into a world-beater for 25 innings. Um, he goes on to some of the details about it. Um, Joey Wentz is going to stay at double-A, I would, I would imagine, next year. Um, I like Joey Wentz. Like, I was really pretty pretty pleased with, with um, getting him for Shane Green. I, you know, there was a little bit of, like, meh from people. But Joey Wentz is still um, young. Um, he was 21 this year. The, the dude is 6'5", um, 240, and really all that happened is he had a couple of soft tissue injuries um, last season, saw a little bit of his velocity drop, and it didn't really come back fully this year. Um, from what I saw, he was throwing 91 to 93, um, but there's still a chance in a guy that age and that size that there's still some more velocity in there. I thought his command was really good. Um, he has a really deceptive motion because he's got, like a lot like Tark Skubal does, he's kind of over the top a little bit more. 
And it can be hard to pick up the separation between fastball and changeup. Um, actually, Franklin Perez is another really good example of a guy who, and Mike Fires as well, um, who kind of hides the ball well and then is kind of coming at you from a really high angle, um, throwing down at you, and had really good feel for throwing the fastball and the changeup out of the same keyhole, um, you know, and, and, and with feel to both sides of the plate. So I was pretty impressed. Like, I still don't really think he has. Um, quite a major league quality breaking ball yet. Like we saw some some good ones. Um, I thought the curveball was was reasonably good at times, but yeah, it was that fastball changeup combination, and he was locating um, really well. He's a big guy. Uh, I think there's you know there's plenty to like there. Um, I don't know. I, I think maybe because he was kind of heralded and people liked him as a sleeper when he was drafted out of high school. Um, sometimes people expect those guys to just explode and move really fast, and that's just not always the way it works out. Um, you know, Matt Manning's first year was, was kind of a struggle, and you can kind of see how, how much work there is for some of these guys. Um, obviously, Manning was more raw because he hadn't played that much even in high school. But, yeah, you know, I, I think it's way, it was way too early for people to start getting too salty about Joey Wentz. I don't really think he's going to be a, a top, you know, top two starter um, in, a, in a future rotation. But he could definitely be a three or four um, guy who's solid. And if he finds a little bit more velocity... Um, he's already got pretty, pretty good command. Um, so yeah, I was, I was pretty impressed. And yeah, I think he'll play at double a, um, probably for a good chunk of the season. And then it'll just depend on when the Tigers, you know, get on with moving Casey Mize to the majors and making room because you're going to have Alex Fajardo, Matt Manning, Tarek Skubal, um, all the, all these, all these guys, Bo Burrows, um, those guys are all going to be at Toledo. So it's going to be crowded there. Um, so I would assume that Joey Wentz will kind of be the, one of the trailers who stays in Erie um, for a little bit while they, they kind of sort things out with the rotation at the major league level. As far as the Rule 5 candidates, I don't know. I mean, I was just going to mention, I, I would really like to see the Tigers try to get Greg Bird. Um, that's another injury reclamation type guy who um, hasn't done anything for several years now. Um, you know, has had a whole bunch of injuries that aren't really connected too much. Like he had a knee thing. Um, he had plantar fasciitis. He had a shoulder issue. Um, so it wasn't like one one injury um, that, that just, you know, keeps you know, recurring on him. So I would like them to see them try to get him because he has really good plate discipline. Um, still has good raw power. And I just think there's there still might be something there. So that's a guy I would like to try. But... I, but I would like the Tigers to just go get him right now. Like, do what you got to do. Just, <laughs> just to actually him. make it happen. Yeah. And I'd be perfectly fine with the Tigers stashing another, you know, we need position players, obviously. Like, you can't take, like, three Dario Agrizals. Like, where, where are these guys going to pitch? Like, where are, you, <laughs> where are they going in the bullpen, maybe? I don't know. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I like Estuary Ruiz from the Padres. I kind of like Buddy Reed from the Padres, who's a little bit older. Um, might be a little bit more palatable because it's not like you're sticking a 21-year-old who hasn't um, hasn't played above advanced A ball right into the majors the way we did with um, Victor Reyes. But Ruiz is interesting. You guys should go look him up. Um, he's got power. Um, I know the Fangraphs guys um, put a 55 future value on his hit tool, which is above average. Uh, he can run. Um, he doesn't really have a defensive position, but he looks like he's going to hit and hit for some power, and he's got speed. Um, so that's a guy I like. Um, you could take Eli White. There's a couple pitchers that I thought were interesting too, but that's just not really, I just don't see why we would do that and not, you know, and not just try like a Gerald Cotton or somebody else like that. There'll be, there'll be some guys who are banged up who, you know, might be on the comeback trail that we could, that we could try if we need pitching, but that just doesn't seem to be what we, what we need. <laughs> we, we need to find some damn bats somewhere. 
so yeah, I'd be trying. I'd be trying for the high upside guy. Um, yeah, and then also yeah, trying to get a little bit of an older guy like Bird, who maybe you know just kind of ran out of time and might still have something left to offer, and try to try to do a twofer. Yeah, I'm not mad at the idea of Bird. I think that would be an interesting acquisition. Yeah, I think that you know it could work, and if it doesn't, who know, cares? Yeah, no harm. <laughs> we, we knew we needed someone to play first base. You Somebody's got to do it. Yeah, they're talking about signing a first baseman. How about you just sign a catcher and get someone to play second base, and then we'll put Bird there. And yeah, you never know. Like maybe maybe the offense isn't you know god awful again. So yeah, at least it could be watchable. Yeah. Yep. And we should have the pitching coming. Like this this year should be interesting as far as the pitching goes. So um, it's not impossible that if they actually could hit a bit, that the team you know wouldn't be god awful i don't know if we, we'd be uh expecting him to come back and break 70 wins after last season but when you're that bad you know like you get yourself a one more catcher and that's like a four win improvement <laughs> you know that we have those all over the field because they were below average at so many positions so i don't know you never know there could be some kind of a a magical 70 win run <laughs> couldn't that be amazing yeah put the royals back in their place at the back of the division <laughs> And then pick fifth and or sixth and have all the tankers be super mad about it. Oh God, <laughs> the dream. Yep, yep. Um, okay, and then we'll wrap it up. This is a good. This is a good one because it just kind of uh, step back from the current situation and reminisce a little bit. Um, it's a slow off season, especially for us, and we can talk about all, all the prospects and what we should do forever. Um, but let's just take a trip down memory lane. So, what was your guys' f- favorite Tiger free agent signing of the last decade? Um, and what were some signings that or players that you were excited about and didn't pan out? I, so I actually thought about this one quite extensively, and I got a couple answers to this. I think as far as players I was really excited about who didn't pan out, uh, shout out to Jordan Zimmerman. Um, and, of course, Prince Fielder. You got to mention Prince Fielder. Yeah. Um, way back in 2012, that was a big signing that I was so pumped about when it happened. And I couldn't have imagined a couple of years later, I would be like, let's get rid of the guy. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I can't be too mad about it. It brought Ian Kinsler to the Tigers. So that whole like chain of, of happenings was generally a happy one. Um, I'd say for like picks that I actually thought were pretty good over the last decade, uh, the Justin Upton signing, I was never mad at. Um, I thought that was a good pickup. Um, I'm going to say Brian Pena. Um, even though... You know, he never did anything. <laughs> yep. But Nerts, Nerts forever. Yep, he's down there coaching for us now. And, so. Yeah, and the same thing with Don Kelly. Um, but uh, I, I think I got to give a little bit of a shout out to um, the Rajay Davis and Tori Hunter signings that we had in the last decade as well. Um, they may have not been like power guys, but I thought the what they brought to the team was kind of special. So um, I thought that those were good. Yeah, good I mean, I, I, yeah, those are all good ones. Tory Hunter was the one I was going to mention. I like, I think everybody was. I don't think anybody can go back and retroactively say like, "Oh, I wasn't excited about Prince Fielder." Like that signing blew everyone's mind. Um, even even me thinking it was a bad idea in the moment, like I don't know, that doesn't. Oh, fuck it, Prince Fielder. This is crazy. <laughs> this is going to be fun. And I mean, we we got the nacho thief moment. Yep. We got the flop trying to run back to third base. I got so many good memories of baseball because of Prince Fielder. Yeah. And we slipped the noose like that more than anything. Like if Prince Fielder was still here, like, you know, being playing bad and it was just like bad him, bad Miggy, it would have sucked. But um, it would have been hard. Yeah. But fortunately we got out of that one. Um, and I, and I should mention that apparently um, Ian Kinsler has retired. Um, what? 
Yeah, yeah. Somebody was telling me this on Twitter, actually. I should probably go confirm it. But I think he had, like, um, he had some kind of back issue or something. And it doesn't sound like he's going to come back. So we'll have, to, we'll have to look that up and confirm. But I think it might be the end for, for Ian. Um, we'll just have to have to check into that one again. See, I shouldn't even have brought that up before we ended the show. Because you're going to be like, what the fuck? You better find out. Oh, I could have to look into this. I'll have to write something about it. But, oh, but, no. Uh, but yeah, for me, Tori, Tori Hunter was the one where I thought like, oh, you know, that's a that's a really good idea. Um, you know, we all knew Tori Hunter wasn't wasn't the player he'd been with the Twins, but he just seemed like the right you know mix of like personality, talent, um, yeah, and and just vibe um, for, for that team. And obviously, that proved to be the case. You know, he was he was obviously like the the focal point in the clubhouse and, and a team leader for a couple years. And um, yeah, I was pretty happy when they got him. I I was pretty happy about Rajai Davis too. I always liked Rajai Davis. Um, I wasn't real thrilled with Cameron Mabin, unfortunately. I'm trying to think of like other kind of smaller, smaller ones. I didn't, I didn't really love the Jordan Zimmerman signing, but I can't complain about it because I he was like the guy we had to get if we were going to try to try to win. Um, and whatever I was thinking going into the the 2015 off season, um, once they said once Mr. I was like, nope, we're you know we're going full bore back in here. It was like, well, they, you're going to have to sign Jordan Zimmerman because. <laughs> We're going to need some starting pitching help here real bad. So uh, I wasn't mad when they did that because it it seemed like the only kind of uh, logical move that that was there for them. Um, There weren't that many other big signings, though, that that interested me. It was was more trades. Like, I was really excited for the Doug when the Doug Fister trade went through. Absolutely. That was a great one. Um, My mind was blown with the David Price trade. Yeah. Like, my whole face practically melted off when that happened. I thought Dombrowski was a witch. Yeah. Oh yeah, that, I mean, yeah, those were wild years. There was there was some crazy stuff going on, um, but we but we just had so much homegrown pitching and, and or traded for pitching that there weren't really that many signings. I'll, I'll say this: I, I mean, I was really I was really happy when the Tigers um, went back after the, after the 2012 season and signed Anibal Sanchez. Uh, it didn't didn't really work out the the last three years of that deal, but the first two years of that deal. He, he was just so good then, and it just seemed like he, he was like the perfect guy to, to put between the power stuff of Verlander and, and Scherzer. Um, he pitched so great. He was sort of like the, the little guy who didn't get noticed but had all the, the, the sneaky craftiness um, and could still pump at 95 at you when he wanted to. He was he was dominant those those two years. So uh, I was pretty happy when they when they circled back and got him because I was afraid they were going to let him go and, and be like, well, you know, we're going to have to try a cheaper option or something. So... Oh, it was nice. It was nice those days when uh, when Mr. I was just shelling it out, um, and and it made sense, and it all kind of fit together. That was, those were good times. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> the glory days. I remember them fondly. Yeah, me too. I know. I'm sometimes surprised how far how far back that is now. It's like, man, we haven't been in the playoffs five seasons. Is that really mm-hmm. right? Yeah, it's been a while. I remember four consecutive seasons as division winners. Yeah. <sighs> Yeah, the good oh, old days. Oh, and here we go. I mean, if there was anyone that we acquired that I was super excited about and just didn't pan out the way I, I had ever hoped, it was Jose Iglesias. Um, I was ready to buy a jersey, you know, after watching Jose Iglesias play defense for about like two weeks. I was, you know, I don't and I, that that means something because I don't own any baseball jerseys. <laughs> <laughs> On that same note, I did buy an Ian Kinsler jersey three weeks into his first season with the Tigers. Yeah, I was real happy when they got him too. And but not even as happy as I eventually became because I, I didn't even realize um, like so much of like what his personality was like yeah. in his defense. I kind of looked at him as sort of like a Brian Dozier, like yeah, he's power hitting second baseman, 
you know, it seems like he runs the base as well, blah, 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 blah. But yeah, then and I, it, it was love. It was love pretty fast. Um, before we get off the air here, though, I, I do need, I need, I need to answer this question myself. Ian Kinsler, say it's not so. I couldn't see anything, but if you find it, let me know. Um, yeah, it doesn't say, yeah, all right, so there's nothing there. But yeah, he, he ended the season kind of with like a herniated disc and all that. So I don't know. It doesn't sound very good, but. Uh, I will write the odious of odes. I will be so sad. <laughs> yep, to the mighty, to the mighty <sighs> Ian. Yep. R.I.P. Kinsler's career. Yeah, well, at least he got a ring in there and uh, got to play with uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. before he, before it was over. It's <laughs> very true. Good times, good times. I'm sure. Heartbreak. All right. Oh, thank you guys all for uh, for all the questions. That was great, um, especially because the Tigers haven't really done a whole lot. There isn't a whole ton um, of news to to break down or anything. Um, hopefully, that will change next week. Um, but yeah, so that'll wrap it up for tonight. Um, yeah, do you want to talk about that um, that video that you're you're currently uploading? No, I just posted it. It it's it's up now. Uh, I did a big baseball gift guide uh, for the holiday season, uh, non team specific, uh, and there's a giveaway, and then I will be doing a more kind of Tigers version of it, or the site probably going up on tomorrow or Friday, depending on when I get it done. Uh, heck, I might even plan it for Thursday so that people can do some shopping on Thanksgiving if they so desire. Um, and yeah, that's the big stuff going on. But it's a 28-minute video. I think it's the longest video I've ever filmed. Oh, wow. Um, and it's it's quite a thorough look at all the different kinds of gifts that you can get uh, for the baseball fan in your life. So something to give a watch to if you're interested. Um and, and there'll be I a have, post and there'll be a similar post yeah so yeah so yeah then i'll be doing yeah similar one for for the site so there'll be not exactly the same stuff um some of the same things but um i did try to do a focus kind of on smaller um indie retailers so not everything is an indie retailer but i tried to do quite a few um small businesses which i thought would be a nice focus yeah for sure i mean everybody can just go to the mlb store for anything else but but finding the the unique stuff is 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 where it's at so that's very cool um yeah we might i don't know we'll just we'll see how this plays out we may have another giveaway of, of some sort um we will for the for the guest for the gift post on the site. We will have a giveaway um, with that um, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Should we say who? Yes, it's going to be Ballpark Ballpark <laughs> Blueprints. Um, uh, Thomas from Ballpark Blueprints is wonderful, um, and he has given us a discount code, uh, which is bless you boys. By the way, if you're just listening and you feel like going and getting a blueprint print um they are 10 percent off if you use the code bless you boys um and we'll have a giveaway going this week so somebody could win one of the really nice um blueprint, blueprint posters. posters yeah they've been a super cool friend of the site um all along and, and they've got a ton of um interesting stuff there even beyond like baseball stadiums there's you know like um racetracks uh there's golf courses all that kind of stuff so um there's there's quite a wide array of of items to take a look at over at the um, ballpark blueprints so give them a look for us that would be great yeah it's really neat stuff they've got really expanded their line yep absolutely all right so um yep we'll call it a night um we'll be back next week and um i hope everybody out there has a lovely thanksgiving and a fun safe holiday weekend with your fam or whoever you've choose to <laughs> to choose to be with um, or if you're Canadian, enjoy the rest of your work week, suckers. Yeah, Wait, and, that's me. Yeah, to all the Canadian fans out there, like, oh, sorry, guys. But, you know, you guys all have a good week, too. Hang in there. <laughs> we will catch you all next week. Um, follow Ashley at 90 Feet From Home on Twitter. Follow me at Fiscadoro74 on Twitter. Ashley, have a good night. You too, man. Bye-bye.
Bye.